0: Good morning and welcome, everybody. Your Lesson Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and Liam. Good morning, Lyle. How are you this morning? I am amazing this morning. Amazing what to are you, hear. What are you thankful for this morning? This
1: morning, I'm thankful for all the warm things I have.
0: Liam is, um, Liam is dressed like somebody ready to go to Antarctica this morning. Um, not quite sure what happened, but winter arrived. It and, did, uh, Liam, without it, a uh, doubt. It's, it's like broken, June, out the-
1: June ticked over and all of a sudden it, it, the, the, the world just decided, you know what, it, this is exactly the time. We're just going to flick a switch. That's his we're gonna that's gonna what have it like. and we're
0: going to have it w- with a vengeance.
1: Oh my!
0: Oh. <laughs> what are
1: you thankful for this morning,
0: Lyle? Well, I'm thankful, for, I'm thankful <laughs> for weddings. Weddings, yes.
1: Is there yes. a wedding happening uh, in your life soon?
0: There is. I got a surprise wedding um, that came my way yesterday. A surprise wedding? <laughs> yes, yes. How, how do you get a? Su- well, I kind of went to uh, help some people cut some firewood, and they're like, "Yeah, we want to get married. Can you do our wedding?" Just, just then, just just like that. So
1: you married someone yesterday?
0: No. Oh right, have, you got to, to give a uh, a month's notice. But a month's we filled out the uh, we filled out the month's notice. Um, you know the notice of intended marriage, the noim. Yep. We filled out the noim and set the date for the wedding for exactly one calendar month past. Yesterday.
1: Well, there you go. So, very shortly, you're going to be, uh, in, a couple, in a month's time, you're going to have a story like about a, a wedding. Well, that's great. Yes. How, how many weddings have you done as a pastor? I've no idea. No idea. Yes. Wh- which do you... Pr- here's, okay, here's a question. Which do you prefer to do, baptisms or weddings?
0: Oh, okay. I, I, both of these are incredibly special, but in vastly different ways. Uh, baptisms do hold the edge, definitely, because that is the most important commitment that a person makes. But a wedding comes a very close second.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I haven't got married yet, so I can't tell you from my experience, but baptism is pretty good. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: Okay, what is happening in the world of uh, positively different news this morning?
1: Well, big news in, in in the Barrington Tops recently. It snowed last night, or, oh, or yesterday. It, it was. I'm not surprised, surprised. Easy. I was freezing. Um, so there's there's been talks of, of people going up there with restrictions easing to to go up there for a bit of a holiday. Throw a few...
0: Throw a few snowballs around that 's it there's this it definitely, um, definitely close snow clouds those fuzzy snow clouds yeah, yeah. scudding low across the sky yesterday yeah. afternoon I, I read a story
1: about this one uh, father and son that always goes up to see the first snowfall at go. the Barrington tops and I think it's it's really important to for fathers to sort of do these things for their kids to have step traditions out and, yeah to have traditions um, I don't know with with my daddy <laughs> There's not, we don't really have traditions, but he's got things that he just does that you, that you know. is like, yeah, that's, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know whether to be proud of it or be a bit embarrassed, but either way, it, it's, it still makes you feel good inside. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but moving on into other news, well, you know what my, one of my favourite pastimes is? What's that? Google Maps. Just going onto Google Maps, going whether it's just finding places or, or going to street view and going around you know sometimes it's racetracks i go around sometimes it's going around um going through the bible lands um on the on the path that that all the uh the events that happen in the bible but there's this one dude that is from a city in zimbabwe and his city had not been registered in street view
0: oh, okay he had no streets yep so he took it upon himself to get his streets into Street View in Google Maps. He did indeed, and I thought it
1: was a pretty cool story. For so him how does
0: do he? How, how does one actually go about doing the contact Google and say, "I need one of those cars to go driving I don't in. know,
1: because I've all. Uh, have you ever seen one of those cars? Yes, numbers of times. Oh, I've, I've, I remember there was this one Sabbath where we were at church, and it was just after church before we were about to have lunch, and the there was this the, the Google car was was driving around the block. And because we're, we're on one block, in the middle of the block, we started on one side, waved at the car, then, then ran across to the other side and waved at the car there. And I, I don't, I haven't been able to find it yet. I don't know if it's there. Um so we'll see how it goes
0: and maybe his cameras weren't switched on maybe he was just driving around you sort of never know no but uh, there's been a number of times that I've gone past the Google car and I've gone oh man I should just you know go back and look up that address and see whether they actually uh, see if I'm there see if I'm there with my face have you ever seen someone out. that you know on Google Maps
1: no I've seen it once okay I've seen it once there was I mean you had to know who you were looking at
0: yeah because they fuzz the face out yeah
1: um, but they had the, it was a, a mate from school. They had a school uniform on, which, um, obviously school can't do anything about that when the Google car comes by. Anyway, everyone's going to come out and try and get a glimpse and get two seconds of fame or a slice of fame, but, oh, um. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, it's so, so yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, I've certainly always achieved to, to get to. Anyway, oh. moving on, there is, uh, there's this, this, this. I won't call it a couple, but it's not really a couple. There's this dog and the dog's owner, and it was a. The dog used to be a service dog in Afghanistan. Did a couple of missions of and tours, and there was this one. His very first tour that this dog did, um, she she went with an owner called um, Buang Kang or, or BK. Um, he's an American Asian soldier, or an Asian american He's an Asian that's an American soldier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he went over there, and he was helping the dog. And he took the dog to Afghanistan, and this dog, it was a detecting mines. And the very first mission that they went out on, the dog found a mine. And from that moment, the whole sort of unit trusted this dog oh, with yeah, their lives. Wouldn't
0: you ever? And what an incredibly valuable animal. Oh, that is.
1: absolutely. And they went through so much in that in that one and a half year period mm-hmm. um, that at the end, when it was getting towards the end of the period, this um, BK, the the um, the the handler, he made a promise to the dog. He said, "When you retire, when it comes time for you to to, to, to hang up the hang up the the lead and um and uh, come home, I promise, I'm going to adopt you." So this nice. was back in this was back in 2011. Yep. And since then, the dog has gone on to continue to do other missions with other handlers. Yep, was a duty. But just recently, it retired and and BK managed to adopt the dog. Now, since 2012, when BK um, got discharged, uh, or or he left the army, I don't know if he got... Anyway, since he left the army, he's gone on to have a family, got a wife, got kids, um, got four other dogs and two other cats and a whole bucket load of...
0: Oh, wow. A a zoo happening.
1: Absolutely. Um, But when... His wife is also a veteran, um, and she she used her connections to, to find this dog for him. Um, for BK, she found out She heard all the stories of this amazing dog, and once she found out that uh, she had the opportunity to do this for for her husband, she she jumped on it. Um, so the yeah.
0: um, was this a German Shepherd or what kind of dog was it? It was
1: a Labrador. Okay, yes. yeah. So it was a black one, and black I black. saw t- the two pictures I found. Of- <laughs> You could see that it had aged. It got grey hair um, coming just around its eyes, and yeah, well, being in Afghanistan
0: old. in a war zone would do that to anybody. I would think it, it would indeed PTSD there happening. I'm sure,
1: um, but no, it was a, that was a just a real positive story that I saw um, this morning. And you know, if, if if you're if you're listening at home or on the car, wherever you may be, and you've heard stories like this and you or, or other stories, and you want to get into contact with us, we'd more, we'd love to hear your stories. So you can give us a call at one 843 Or you can send us a text at 0491 064 669 and yeah, just let us know what's going on. There's many countless positive things going on at the moment. Right now, there's a number of negative things going on, but it's always good to focus on the positive things. So if you've got anything, we would be more than happy to hear what you've got in store for us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Joining us on the phone this morning is David Haupt to speak about emotional health. David, welcome to the show.
2: Good morning and good morning to your listeners again.
0: David, you shared with me a very disturbing story during the week about a cluster of suicides in a suburb in Victoria um, all amongst one specific segment of society can you just get, tell us a little bit about that and maybe we can explore some of the reasons for that and look at ways that we can uh, stop this, these kinds of tragedies from taking place
2: Lol, thank you. Yes, it's quite a disturbing article that came out uh, regarding women committing suicide, and all of them were from immigrant background. Um, The majority of them came from arranged marriages. They just recently immigrated to Australia. Uh, And although the focus is on a certain segment of a populist group in an area in Victoria, It is in actual fact something that is not uncommon um, in the whole of Australia for immigrants where there's a major crisis in terms of once people are resettled in a new country.
0: Okay, so people come to, I mean, it's almost baffling. Australia is the lucky country from so many different perspectives and you would think that you know, somebody who comes from a, just a, a, a dirt, dirt poor country, you know, maybe Bangladesh or somewhere like that, Not saying, and these women didn't come from that country, I'm just using that as an example of a dirt poor country. Uh, you would think that coming to Australia, they've had their lucky break and that suicide would be the last thing on their minds. What's going on here?
2: It is, a, uh, it is a fact that people that do immigrate uh, disconnect from their support group and especially that which is known to them, the environment, uh, no family. They move over to a new country and within six to eight months, they will go into a level of depression. I'm an immigrant as well. I packed up my wife and myself and my two kids. Each one of us had one suitcase in our hands and that's how we arrived in Australia with nothing else. And um, one of the scariest things is to settle in a new community where you know no one, you've got no family to turn to and uh, you have no support base. So when crisis then happens, you are utterly isolated.
0: Now, you had the advantage of being able to speak the language here in Australia, even though it is your second language. Um,
2: it, it's actually my third language. Oh, third language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Um, some of these immigrants don't aren't even able to communicate with the average person on the street.
2: So, in other words, they do not speak the language or do not fully uh, are able to converse in that language, uh, nor do they know the system. Nor where to turn to to go, you know. I I would say that my greatest advantage, uh, Lyle, was the fact that I had a spiritual family that I could turn to. I had a community of faith that I knew that no, that wherever I go in this world, I have a family that I can connect to. I can walk into a church, and I would have. Uh, some affinity and uh, some support where these people often, especially in arranged marriages, which this article focused on, um, they know utterly no one. They are often uh, held back by the spouse, not allowed to even speak to the neighbors, not even going out. Uh, They are completely isolated in their homes and therefore have no right to, to communicate with other people. And so often you will find in that kind of environment, and this article brings it out very strongly, that there is uh, family uh, or uh, partner abuse taking place in that family home.
0: As an immigrant yourself, David, you had all of the advantages of being able to Um, at least have some level of communication with the local community in the English language along with a church community where you could just, you know, turn up a church and you've instantly found a family. With all of those advantages, did you still suffer a level of anxiety or depression at around that uh, six-month period?
2: We did. We went into a level of depression uh, about eight months after we've arrived. Remember that you walk into a a shopping mall or into a grocery shop and you look for things that would be similar and um, you, you just would not find it. You, you, you look for something to anchor you, um, for food that you used to know. Our appetite, our, our palate eventually had to adapt uh, to the Australian palate. Uh, it, it was just something that I was never ready for nor prepared for. Um, no one tells you these things when you immigrate to a country. You're looking for anchor points, and it's just not there. Normally in uh, in your country that you grow up in, you have a familiar sight. You 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 have the family that anchors you. You've got the extended family. You've got years of friendship that you've built up. Uh, and suddenly all of that is gone.
0: David, when you arrived in Australia, did you go to church the first week that you were here? And what was that experience like? Did you find uh, instant
2: welcome? I I went th- th- that that first weekend I went to church and they worshiped a little bit differently to uh to be honest with you I went uh, outside and checked to make sure that the name was uh, the right name of the denomination and uh yes it was but there was on the other there was some similarities but some differences as well
0: yeah right wow that's um that's very insightful. So you came here with all of the advantages and still went through it, and, and so now we, we move to people that come with all of the disadvantages of an arranged marriage, of an abusive marriage, of not being able to communicate, of being completely unfamiliar with the environment. That must be incredibly difficult uh, to deal with. And, and it speaks in many ways to a broader, a broader concept of abuse within marriages.
2: That's very true. Just imagine um, not having that spiritual anchorage that you are reliant on yourself you have you, you come in and arrange marriage you come to a new country no support you don't speak the language your spouse locks you in the home when he returns from work he actually binge drinks instead of connecting and building relationship um where do you turn to you you are told your your past. Your uh, passport is taken away. Uh, You are told that the system is not supportive of you. You are in utter. Uh, crisis mode at that point, nowhere to turn to because you just do not know the system and what support is available. Over the years, I have worked with some of those uh, women that um, have come over through arranged marriages. But, you know, the saddest thing is that this does not just happen in arranged marriages. It happens in Australian families as well.
0: Yes, and I wanted to move on and talk a little bit about that. What causes this kind of isolation within, you know, an Australian couple getting together that we, that assumedly at some particular point they're in love with each other and then it all goes pear-shaped and, you know, one of the partners ends up completely isolated?
2: You know, Lyle, um, Matthew 24 verse 12 talks about the time in which we live, that um, because of lawlessness, you know, it says that the love of many will grow cold. We we so often fall in love, but as I said last week, that falling in love often has more to do with the emotions and the feelings that I feel about myself when that other person shows an interest in me. So in other words, Our world is slowly changing to become a self-centered world where even in marriages it becomes self-centered. It's interesting that this article referred to a lack of attachment bonding in arranged marriages. But I would like to suggest that the lack of attachment to bonding – also happens to some of the lifestyle that we have um, and, and I'm, I'm just going to refer you a few times to scripture First Thessalonians 4 verse 3 talks to young men and warns them about um, fornication what does the word fornication mean? It's interesting the Greek word that is translated fornication actually is porneo oh with the yeah. where the word pornography comes from. Uh-huh. And so often um, we enter into a married relationship and and I see it in the counseling room uh, just recently working with a, a young couple where the wife is just uh, appalled at, at the way that her husband deals with her in marriage. And as we unpack and we discovered that he has been exposed to pornography from a very early age. In other words, his imprinting on the emotional, physical love of, in, in marriage is based on what his imprinting of pornography has been. Mm-hmm. So in other words, his wife is just a piece of meat that he can enjoy. There's yes, no it's, no wonder, it's
0: no wonder that that creates then abuse within the relationship when uh, the, the the needs that they that people are expecting the expectations are just completely unrealistic and non-existent and are never going to be met.
2: And it's distorted. And the expectation on that marriage is that the spouse needs to act in a certain way. And when she doesn't, because the female wants to feel secure in a relationship, she wants to connect on an emotional level with her husband. And that is not forthcoming because the husband is demanding a, a activation of the physical side according to what his imprinting has been and it is very clear that bonding and the attachment that is co- caused by that bonding has never really taken place
0: so there's a very very you know bright wide almost universal uptake of pornography amongst men but it's also in today's day and age used heavily by women is it more damaging to men in a relationship than what it is to women
2: it actually is damaging to both parts uh, because mm-hmm. research shows that uh, people that are exposed to pornography on a regular basis that their brain structure actually um, is mm-hmm. restructured in exactly the same way and damaged in the same way as what cocaine damages the brain structure. So couples enter into a marital relationship with completely distorted visions about what marriage and what intimacy plays in marriage relationship. From a biblical perspective, God is saying uh, through, uh, through Paul in the book of Ephesians five twenty five, he says, Husbands, love your wife. Uh, have you noticed that the word like your wife is not found in that verse? And I just wonder why he used the word love, which is a command to love and not to like. Doesn't God want us to like our spouses?
0: The very, very interesting point that you're raising there, David.
2: I believe that he does. But liking has to do with my feelings and my emotion. And I have to... There are days in which my feelings and my emotions are not trustworthy. And that is those days that I out of principle chooses that I will love my spouse as Christ loves the church.
0: And, and, that's a, and that's a massive requirement right there. Some people look at the Bible and say it's a bit one-sided. But the reality is that the Bible requires a man to love his wife to the point that he's prepared to give his life for her. And that's a very, very high calling when you think about it.
2: Extremely high calling. It, it requires a forgetting of self. And this is what you find in the psychopathology in, in those marriages in crisis where a spouse eventually finds themselves that they just do not want to live anymore. Is that either one or both have come to the point where they've become so self-centered and self-focused that they do not live for the other anymore. They only live for themselves. I see that the modeling of Christian marriage is based on how Christ loves the church, where he completely focused on us, on the church, and loving us even to the point of death.
0: Mm, David, we're out of time, but it's been very, very insightful to chat this morning. just want to say that if you are living in an area where you know people who are socially Isolated, then do whatever you can to connect with those people at this particular time. And if there is uh, abuse in your family or somebody's family that you know, let them know. The, for the uh, particularly for immigrants, uh, what facilities are available for them? You're
1: listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Um, now, before Lyle, before we get to
1: the uh, question of the day, I've got something I need to tell you. I've done something, and you're either going to love me or hate me for it. But uh, you know, risks are made to be taken. Are you ready? Uh, kind of. Here we go. It is time for we... question of the day.
0: I got a new jingle. Ah, <laughs> uh, the king of jingles sitting on the other side of the uh, studio, right here. Oh, how good! What is the question of the day Not today? So how long that one's going to last for? But anyway, <laughs> we will see what happens. Okay. Our question of the day relates to the hundred and forty-four thousand. Comes from the Jehovah's Witness, um, who is endeavouring to point out that the hundred—that is only the hundred and forty-four thousand—that go to heaven. Okay. So for those of you who might be unfamiliar with Jehovah's Witness teaching, basically the idea is that um, there are three classes of people in the world. There is the heavenly class—that's hundred and forty-four thousand—who from nineteen eighteen and onwards get to go to heaven, um, which is. 144,000 literal um, number of people. There is the saved class um, who are going to find who are going to face a final test at the very end of time, and who will rule on the earth but never go to heaven. And then, there, of course, there is the lost. Okay, so the first thing I want to point out is that there are not three classes in the Bible. There is the saved and the lost. That's it. And the Bible says that everyone, not just 144,000, but that every single person on the planet needs to be born again to go to heaven. The second question we've got to ask is, who are the 144,000? And we're going to look at that in a little bit of detail and also look at um, whether they are the only people in heaven or not. 144,000 are mentioned in Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14. We find out who they are by looking at their geography. The Bible says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. If we look at the geography right here, we find that the 144,000 are standing on Mount Zion. It continues on in verse 3. They sung as it were a new song Before the throne. So here we find they are standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne, and we also find out what they are doing. They are singing a new song. So they're standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne, singing a new song. If we go back to Revelation chapter 4, we find the Bible says in verse 6 Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. So here we find that the 144,000, if they are standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne, are clearly standing on the sea of glass singing a song. Are we clear so far? Yes. Okay, 144,000 standing on Mount Zion on the sea of glass in front of the throne. Now the Bible is going to tell you exactly who they are, and that is found in Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, where it says, I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those that had gotten the victory over the beast, his image, his mark, the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God, singing the song of Moses. So here you've got the 144,000 standing on Mount Zion on the sea of glass in front of the throne. And the Bible tells you exactly who they are. They are those who've gotten the victory over the beast, over his mark, over the number of his name, and over his image. Now, we can all have the victory over the beast today, but the mark of the beast has not yet been enforced. Therefore, we know that the 144,000 are... Speaking of the last group of people who will be alive right here on this earth at the very end of time, just before Jesus comes back. Okay, does that mean that they will be the only ones who are in heaven? No, because if you go back to Revelation chapter 7, the Bible says, and after this, where is it? In verse 9, after seeing the 144,000, I saw and a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindred, peoples, Tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And so here we're introduced not just to the 144,000, but to a great multitude which indicates that every saved person goes to heaven to be with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord? Well, where does the Bible say that Jesus is going to take us? Jesus says, uh, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that's in heaven, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming back to this earth to take us to heaven, to be with him, all of us, the living and the dead, the dead, of course, who will be resurrected at the return of Jesus Christ.